Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
in the book of Acts this week. Uh, I remember three weeks ago I said, I got a message on the rapture I'm going to be bringing to you. You remember that? And I had been doing my study on the rapture and uh, preparing my, my lesson, and I kept studying. <laughs> I kept looking. And right there in Acts, I said, do we make the same mistake that the Jews made? Speaking of Christ's first coming, in other words, they're honed in, and I was kind of studying on that as well, they're honed in on, on Messiah ben David, not Messiah ben Yosef, son of Joseph. They were looking for the king, not for the suffering servant. Yet the suffering servant showed up to make an atonement for their sins. He'll come back as the suffering, I mean the reigning king, you see, over Jerusalem and over the world. They made a mistake. That was a critical mistake. Would you not agree? And we talk about the rapture today and the coming of the Lord. And I'm going to give you a whole lot of scriptures today. A lot. And, and that's why I said, if you got to pay, you job, don't ever take my word. We're going to go to His word. And again, I'm not saying that the rapture will happen on Pentecost. But I've got a pretty good case that it very well may happen. Pentecost starts today in our time at 12.35. It ends tomorrow at 12.37. In Acts chapter 2, Peter says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, and we also know reading a few sentences later, it was 9 o'clock in the morning. So that would make it, if Jesus returned on Pentecost this year, the same as He sent the Holy Spirit in the first century, that would be about 2 o'clock our time in the morning. Is it possible? Well, I want, to, I want you to look at the evidence. Somebody said, are you setting that? No, I'm just saying, I'm giving you some things to consider. I don't set dates, but I will. I'll show you what the Scripture says about knowing the times and the seasons. I'm going to give you the Word, not my Word. We're told to look for Jesus. How many know that? I mean, so if I'm throwing out ideas to you or giving you biblical ideas, that's not setting a date. I'm just saying, look at this date. Look at this time frame. Look at this. That's very biblical, what we're doing here right now. But I want to look at two things in this message today that are very important. Number one, I want to call this message going home. And there'll be two things we'll examine. That is the rapture will happen before the judgment of God comes on the earth. Did you get that? The rapture will happen before the judgment on this earth. And the second thing is, after winter, before summer. Before we begin, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for this day today, Lord. I thank You for what You have shown me, Lord. Lord, You've revealed things from Your Word to me. And Lord, I want to communicate what you've given me to your people. Father, I ask for your anointing without which I can do nothing, absolutely nothing. Lord, speak through me your word to your people. Lord, let the anointing of God be upon each one to hear and to understand and comprehend your word. Father, move in us today, I pray. Inspire us from your word and teach us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Going home. I'd be ready to go home to be with the Lord. Hallelujah. It'd be nothing better for me than to be up here preaching and the Lord show up. 
Then the trumpet sound and we're gone. How many would like that? I heard a preacher last week uh, died in the pulpit. Did you hear about that one? Well, what a way to go. <laughs> he was preaching and bam, he was gone. He... Just one question, Jerry. Yeah. Uh, Pentecost Sunday, isn't that how many weeks after? Well, let me, I'll, I'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, let me preach it and I'll get to it. Okay? Right, we'll hold answers till after. And then we'll, uh, we'll hopefully we'll answer your questions before we get there. But we're looking at going home, the catching away before judgment. You know, there's a lot of teachings in the church today about uh, what, what it, when is the rapture? Pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib? You know, most of the mainline denominations teach a post-trib or an amillennial view. Uh, I, I'm a dispensationalist. I believe in the pre-millennial rapture of the church, the pre-tribulational rapture of the church, the pre-70th week rapture of the church. I do not believe the church will be here in any in any part of Daniel's 70th week. And I'll give you a, a good case on why I believe that as we move along. When we talk about the catching, there's three questions we need to ask. Why? Who? And when? Why the rapture? Who goes in the rapture? And when will the rapture begin take place? And we'll look at those three things in this message today. Why, number one? Why a rapture? Because as Second uh, Acts chapter two says, Peter says that, and he quotes Joel chapter two. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. And he goes on. He says, The sun will be darkened and the moon blood red before the great terrible day of the Lord come. All one seamless prophecy that Joel prophesied. Well, Peter, remember, he said, This is that which Joel prophesied. But what did he but the sun wasn't darkened and the moon didn't turn and God's judgment didn't come. What was instituted was, a, was the day of grace. Thank you, Lord. So Pentecost, the Lord told He said, it's not fulfilled yet. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Well, when will it be fulfilled? When the sun goes dark and the moon turns red and God's judgment falls on the earth. Then it's been completed. The prophecy is then done. He stopped mid. Now, is there a biblical precedent? Oh, yeah. When Jesus began his ministry, Isaiah 61, he stood up in the synagogue and began to read. And he says, uh, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to preach good news, to heal the sick. And, and he closed the book after he said, the acceptable, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the book. But he closed the book in the middle of a sentence. He didn't wait for the end of the sentence. He closed the book and he said this. This day this is fulfilled in your ears. And he handed the book back to the, the cantor. Well, wait a minute. What was the next line? And the vengeance of our God. To proclaim the acceptable year and the vengeance. Well, there's a gap. How many know God specializes in gaps? Just look at Genesis 1, 1 and 1, 2. I'm a gap man. Come on. Just look at that prophecy there. Jesus is the gap God. Hallelujah. He said, I'm going to come and 
preach the good news, but I'll also go come and proclaim the judgment of God. But he hadn't done that yet. He's waiting. And in order for him to do that, I propose to you, what happened on Pentecost? He launched his church into the world. He went out into the world to, to collect, listen to this, a Gentile bride to call his own. And he's been going on for almost 2,000 years. Collect the, he, he's calling a Gentile bride to come away with him. Amen. And when he is done, and only he knows when he's done. Now the raptured doctrine was given to us as an imminent doctrine, that he could come at any time. And the early church believed that. They, they thought well, he could come at any time. But we see, we look back on history now, we realize, well, no, he really couldn't have because the Jews hadn't been exiled from uh, in AD 70, and then they hadn't been returned to the land in 1949. But no, no one would have known that but God, you see. So now we're looking at, well, well what, what will he come? Now, let me, let me, I'm going to give you an illustration about prophecy. Yeah, I'm standing here, and I don't have the best eyesight. <laughs> So we're looking through time, okay, from history, from where we are to what's up ahead, or and we can look back on what's behind. But we're, we're right here. And we go back 10, 20 years, 50, 100 years. Some of the great men, Schofield and all these men were alive, and, and they're great men of God, giants of the faith. But they could only see so much from where they were as it relates to the end times. So let me give you an example. John, back here, I see his tie. And it looks like either black or dark blue from here. It has some little marks on there. Okay? That's all I see. Now if I get closer to John, I can see a little bit more. I get real close, I'm like, oh, I see, see, see a little bit of yellow in there. I get real, real close, and what do I say? I say, oh, I see it all now. Where are we in terms of the Lord returning? Well, I'm not the guy standing way back there like Schofield was anymore. I'm, I'm getting so close to that event. I'm like, now I begin to. Now I'm seeing how it fits together. Now I'm seeing, Lord, what I didn't see before. Seeing all over the world. And I want to. I want to show you something about that seeing and not seeing. You see the. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's move on. I'm so. Wound up, I, I'm getting jumping all over. I, I got to calm down a little bit. Say, calm down, preacher. Help him more. Because I want you to see what I see. Amen. Do you see what I? Oh, that's the wrong season, isn't it? Doesn't <laughs> matter. Supposed to be instant in season and out of season. All right. Why is the rapture before judgment? Because this. I'm going to give you one answer. God will never judge the righteous with the wicked. Amen. There's a biblical precedent that speaks clearly. God will never judge the righteous with the wicked. Okay? We go back to Noah's day. And you remember Jesus saying that as it was in the days of Noah, Amen. so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. So we look back to these men and their lives and in their day. First Noah. Noah lived at a time when 
wickedness was all around. See if I can keep pace with my own notes here. You know, he, Noah, that is, could give a first-hand witness of what led up to the flood and how God spared him and his family. Noah was warned by God that he was going to destroy the world by flood and he was told to build an ark and make preparation for it so that he and his family would be spared from it. And we all know what exactly that's exactly what happened. Noah believed God, the Bible says. Read the book of Hebrews, and he built that ark. Hallelujah. He was spared God's judgment. After the ark was completed, God told Noah to get in the ark. And the Lord was the one who shut the door. The Lord shut him in. The question is, why does God why did God choose to spare Noah? And we read the account of Noah and his life. Was Noah without sin? Uh, of course not. If we look over at 2 Corinthians 5.21, I'll read it for you. Talking about Jesus. It says, For He, that is God, hath made, made Him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. He made Jesus to take the sin upon Himself so that we could then be exchanged for His righteousness. Somebody say Amen. Amen. Noah in faith built the ark, believing God, trusting in God, and God shut him in and spared him from the judgment that was to befall the world. For only eight souls were saved from that entire antediluvian period. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So why did God spare him? The answer is found here in verse 7. In the first verse, rather, of chapter 7. And the Lord said to Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for I have seen right seen, for, <laughs> for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Why did he spare Noah? He was righteous in his generation. Was he righteous in and of himself? No. Are you righteous in and of yourself? No, it's the righteousness of God, like Paul said, in Christ. And, you know, we, you and I look back on the event, the cross, and what Jesus died on that atoning day when He hung between heaven and earth. Noah and the generation before in the Old Testament looked forward in faith to the, the one who would come, the seed of the woman who would deliver them from the curse. They look forward, we look back, but it's all about Jesus. It's all about the cross. Our righteousness comes from Him, Jesus. And Noah understood that. Abraham understood that. The Old Testament saints that lived for God, they understood that. They knew they were not righteous in and of themselves, but they wanted to serve the righteous God, and they trusted Him. That's why they offered sacrifices. Do you remember that? To, to, to atone for their sin. We have one sacrifice that was given once and for all, and by faith, the blood is applied to our hearts. And... and his judgment passes over us. So God passed over Noah because he was righteous. It says it right there. Genesis 7.1 He was righteous. Uh, Hebrews in the New Testament, chapter 11, confirms by calling Noah a righteous man also. 
Now we move on. We see, uh, doesn't this contradict that we're all sinners? No, like I say, that we're righteous in God, in God's eyes. So anyone outside the ark would perish in the judgment. But Noah and his family were saved because of their being righteous. And again, he, the Lord tells us in Matthew 24 and also in Luke's Gospel that it would be as it was in the days of Noah. I want us to look at Lot. We'll move over to Genesis 18 and see why God spared him from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I would encourage you to read the entire conversation between God and Abraham found in Genesis 18. And it begins there, and we'll begin with verse 22. And I don't know why this is a conversation between God and Abraham isn't talked about when discussing the timing of when the church will be with Jesus. I believe the answer is found right here. For those of you who may wonder who the restrainer is that Paul talks about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, I'm going to answer, it to, I'm going to answer that today. Who the restrainer is. But he will let or restrain until he's taken out of the way. Then the man of sin, the Antichrist, will be revealed. Remember, Noah was found righteous. So therefore he was spared. God sins. You see Noah praying for... Because God came to his house, said, I'm going to, me and my boys here, two big angels, we're going to go down and visit Sodom and Gomorrah and the rest of these cities that are wicked, and we're going to destroy them, for their sin has come up before me in heaven. Their cup was running over with wickedness and sin. And God, Abraham looked at it and said, God, are you going to spare any, any of the righteous? He said, well, sure, I'll spare the righteous. Is there 50? He said, if there's 50 righteous, I'll spare the city. Then he goes down to 40 and 30. He said, Lord, I hope you don't get mad at me. What about 10? He said, if there's 10, I won't. And Lord sent the angels on their way. And they went in. And they found Lot. Noah's, uh, Abraham's nephew, Lot. Why did God spare Lot? Was he a righteous man too? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Now here we have Abraham, a type of the righteous believer, the type of Jesus. And we have Lot. He's a type of the church. Now see, Lot, you remember when he separated from Abraham, pitched his tents towards Sodom. Sodom was a, a city of sin. And the next time we read of Lot, he's not pissed towards Sodom, he's in Sodom. Anytime you start getting yourself close to sin, you're going to end up in sin. Hello? Now here was a man living in a place he should not have been. <laughs> but he was there. Why? God gives free moral agency. But he was still a righteous man. And let's, let's read 2 Peter chapter 2. Write this one down. And let's see what Peter has to say. Don't, don't trust my word, believe the word of God. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after would live ungodly. And he delivered just Lot, 
vexed with the filthy lifestyle of the wicked. For the righteous man was dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing, it vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. What's the common denominator between Lot and Abraham? They were righteous. That's why God spared them His judgment. You know, I hear a lot of talk, and I see it a lot, and the rapture is so very misunderstood by church leaders, people, because they don't, they don't study the Word, the Bible, like we should. We need to know the Word of God. One of my favorite teachers, and I, it's not a knock on him, okay? I, I, how many have heard of Perry Stone? I love Perry Stone. He's a great man of God. He's a great teacher in our generation. Church of God fellow, amen. Nothing wrong with the Church of God. And uh, he, he holds to the belief that in the rapture, only the super holy will go up. Only those who are really pursuing and living for God will go up in the rapture. Does the Bible really tell us that? Well, not if we're reading the story a lot here, and he's called righteous. Hello. Are you trying to condone sin, Pastor Jerry? Absolutely not. Heaven forbid. But the Bible says, He that says he has no sin is a liar. And the truth is not in Him. But if we confess our sin to Him, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, under that doctrine, you have to be so holy. They have stolen the blessed hope from the body of Christ. They've stolen the joy of living for Jesus. They've stolen the joy of being a Christian. Why? Because you will walk around wondering if you're going to measure up. Because they don't give a standard. Those who believe that doctrine, that only it's called a split rapture. Only the super holy that are looking for Jesus and that are, are, are paying their tithes and in church every week and doing all, only those are going to be raptured. And the rest are going to have to go through the tribulation to be purified. Now, I, don't, I love Brother Stone, but I don't agree with that. It's not a biblical teaching. Now his idea of uh, outer darkness is that that's what outer darkness is for those who are left behind. They're weak and wail and gnash their teeth because they didn't make it in. There's a lot of reasons why that's a ridiculous doctrine to follow. Number one, that's only dealing with the people who are alive on the earth at His second coming. What about 1,900 years of church history prior to that? Uh, the, the carnal believers who died. Where do they go to get chastened or to get purified? That's not the issue. The issue is, are we in Christ or not? Paul says that when the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we which are alive and remain, I'll put brackets there, in Christ, will be caught up together with them. The prerequisite for the rapture is, are you born again? Are you in Christ? Yes, amen. Not where you're at in your sanctification or your walk with God, but are you in Christ? Yes. He's coming back for His own bride. He will purify. He will make us ready. Somebody say amen. amen. And if we refuse that sanctification process, we'll sit out in the outer darkness and wait outside the kingdom and, and until we get it right. But we're not going to hell. And there's no split rapture. The whole church will be raptured. I don't believe God will separate His body, have part of it in heaven and the other part on the earth. It's not going to happen. They go, we're going to be we're one body, and He's the head, and we'll be reunited to Him very soon. Hallelujah.
Somebody say amen. Don't let anyone take your joy. That's why we have a blessed hope. If I hope I go because, well, I don't know if I measure some standard to measure up to, I can't measure up to, then what joy is that? It's legalism. It's really what it is. It's legalism. Works. Earn my rapture. Earn my place in the rapture. No, or works earn your place in the kingdom positionally, but not in the rapture, not in salvation alone. And and the rapture is we, we use that word. It's resurrection. Resurrection is not based on anything you did or do. It's based on what he did and he has done. Amen. I mean, the thief in the cross had no fruit, but yet he was in the paradise. The only fruit he had was being a thief. <laughs> He had no righteous acts. Will he reign with Christ in the kingdom? Probably not, but he's in heaven though. He's with God. That's a good start, ain't it? Somebody somebody say amen. Amen. But we see that Lot was vexed with that. uh, And then we see something very interesting. We tend to forget. These are the little things the Lord, he he kind of, when I'm looking at scriptures, he'll drop on me. And I'm like, I didn't see that. I've never seen that before. This is this is wild. I mean, it seems like something very inconsequential. But you know, there's nothing in the Bible that's in, that, that's just there by mistake. Nothing. It's all very important. We see here that the angel goes in to get get Lot to move him out before God judges the city, and Lot begins. Well, let me read here. He negotiates with the angels where he's going to flee to. Because the place God originally told him to flee to was a long way off. And what's interesting about the place that Lot wanted to go to, to which God finally agreed to, was called Bella. It ends up being called uh, Zoora, and then late later Zoar. Everybody's heard of Zoar. And it says here that... Uh, it's called, called one of the five cities there that God was going to destroy along with Sodom and Gomorrah because they were all allied with one another. But because Lot was allowed to go there to Zoar, God spared it from judgment. So, listen to me. God could not judge Zoar. I said God could not judge Zoar because Lot was there. Now you know, my friend, listen to me carefully. This is important. I, I don't know if you're aware like I am of the time and season we're in. I mean, you look around and see what's going on in this world, it will shake you to the core. We had several earthquakes yesterday. The country of Ireland just approved gay marriage. And the moment they did, they had a massive earthquake over there, and they had one over in California. A four point something other. And they said the one in California, uh, Tony, you sent me an article. They said, well, on the 28th, they're expecting what? Massive earthquakes. Massive. 28th of of this month. A few days from now. (laughs) Four days from now. Yes. What I'm saying is, things are going on. We see. The government of this country making plans for a martial law takeover. Yeah. We see 
Uh, Congress just passed this last week and gave the president more powers, but did not specify what they were. We have a criminal government in this country. Yes, we do. They're criminals. And they're going to bring this country under the judgment of God. Once again, the president chided Israel this week. And, and, and all of this lines up with biblical prophecy on what would happen at the time of the end. We've seen three of the four blood moons. The next is in the fall, in October. September, October. We've seen the solar eclipse. Is it the one Joel talks about in Acts chapter 2? It very well may be. Because it will come before the great and terrible day of the Lord. We're not in the day of the Lord. The surest reason is because we're here. God, listen to me, cannot judge America until you are God. He could not judge Zoar, even though he had planned to already. That, that's mind-blowing to me. Because Lot was there. Lot was there. Now notice, he was going to spare that city. Just because one... Now, that shows me. Abraham already got a deal from God. If it was ten living that were righteous in Sodom, he wouldn't... So we know there wasn't ten because the angels had to pull them out. Now, not all made it out. That's another parallel with the church. Come on now. His own wife turned back. Turned into a pillar of salt. Not everybody who says, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, is a Christian. Jesus said, you know them by their... Jesus also talked about the wheat would grow up among the tares and that they would not be separated until when? The harvest. And that brings me to my second part of the message. The harvest. Hallelujah. We're going to get there in just a moment. Genesis 19.22 I want you to just mark this and underline it in your Bible. Just in case you think I'm, I'm making I'm making it up. <laughs> I, want you to, I want you to read it from the lips of, of the Word of God. Mother, Brother Dave, you got your Bible there? Genesis 19. Chapter 2. Yeah, chapter 2. No, chapter 19, I'm sorry, verse 22. I just want you to read the first half of that. Hasten. Yeah, hurry. Escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Okay. What he's saying is hasten, escape from there, as King James, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till you're out of there. Is that God saying that? I can't do anything until you're out of the way. Now I see where we're headed in this world for judgment. I mean, you got the whole world shaking their fists at a holy God. They're all out there today in this society calling good evil and evil good. 
Just to be a Christian today, they'll lock you up, man, if you come upside them one way or the other. They'll throw you out of the military if you pray in Jesus' name. Woke up this morning, drinking a cup of coffee, flipped the news on, and they, they were all upset because this young man was praying to Jesus at a uh, commencement speech. All up and all. said, thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. You'd have thought he'd have cussed them out or something. Oh. How far have we slid in this world? And, 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 the, and the world, well, God is going to overlook that. You've got people running for president that have stolen millions of dollars, taken bribe money, that have done all kind of wickedness, won't turn over their email, won't listen to anybody in authority, do whatever they please. And it's all unrighteous and wickedness. And, and I'm telling you right now, man, God is, God is about to move. He's about to move. Could He move before we leave this building? Could He move? Now, if He's going to judge them, we've got to go. We've got to go. You say that's a biblical precedent? That's a biblical precedent. What about Pentecost preaching? <laughs> How does that tie in? This is what blew my mind, y'all. And if you are any bit of student of the Word of God, this, this could blow your mind as well, and it should. Second part of this is, after winter, before summer, when will the rapture happen? Well, no man knows the day or the hour. Well, that's what's quoted all the time. But it doesn't say anything about the season or the month. Day, hour is a whole different deal, isn't it? Now, before you got in, I was telling everybody that the feast, what they call the Feast of Pentecost, the, the actual word is Shavuot. Shavuot is the holiday, the holy day. It's a Moedim. It's a, an appointed time. I'm sure you how far off. You know, you got the King James people that are always telling you King James the only thing. Show you how far off they call them all feasts of the Lord. Well, that's about the worst translation you could ever have because it has nothing to do with feasts. It has to do with an appointed time that men were to be there and to meet with the Lord. Now, answering your question, what is Pentecost? And when is Pentecost? Well, Pentecost is the appointed time following first fruits. And it's, there's a countdown, always a countdown, to Pentecost. It's 49 days plus 1. How many days is that from first fruits? 50. The Greek word for 50 is Pentecost. So therefore the Gentiles call it Pentecost. The Jews call it Shavuot, which is a time, it's a harvest festival. It's a time when the first fruits of the barley harvest is offered before the Lord. It's waved before the Lord. And, and here's what takes place on Pentecost. It's the ending. That's in, and what's cool is I copied this down off of the the internet. I went to a site in Israel's agricultural department. It has nothing to do with religion or anything. Looking for their harvest times. And you see where I highlighted it here. Sivan 6. That's what today is. Sivan 6 is Shavuot or Pentecost. 
It always follows first fruits 50 days later. And, and <laughs> of course, it could be in June one year or May the other year. I'll give you an example. It's so hard to reconcile the two calendars somewhat because everything overlaps. Today is the 24th, correct? Of May. Well, in Israel right now, it's the 23rd. It's not the 24th until 7.34 p.m. tonight. Our time. That's the sundown. That they, that's when it goes over the 24th. So, the Lord may return on the our date, the 24th or 25th, if it's Pentecost. I'm just giving you the hypothetical. So, it could either, either, either or. But it's the barley harvest. It says right here, barley harvest completed. Today, barley harvest completed. And what I didn't understand, now you've read the parables like I have. Jesus talked about the fields are white under harvest. I, I'm, the, I'm sowing the good seed and the enemy comes, he sows the tares. He talks about this a corn of wheat falling to the ground and die. He, he used all these farmer agricultural terms in his parables. But I never really paid much attention. I really didn't. <laughs> I, 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 I saw the, the gist of the meaning, but never looked, be, never looked beyond. Never got up close to get the details. Shame on me. Maybe shame on you too. I don't know. But there are, right here, I'm sorry, there are several harvests. Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost, is a celebration of harvest. Now what goes on now, the wheat is finally finished. Is that in their country? Yeah, in their country today, to this day. And it was true then too. It says it's the same in modern and ancient Israel. It says it right, in the, right out of the, right off the website. Same times. Now what they do, they're, they're, the harvest is this way. And Jesus talked about the world and the resurrections as being harvests. Uh-oh. I wonder if that could have any connection with uh, Pentecost. It does. It really does. And I've never seen it until the Lord just opened my eyes. Now, let me give you an idea about that. He talked about the Jews. Well, I'll read that later on. Let me go. Being blinded, okay? Well, we're no different. We can see, but we really can't see unless the Lord touches us to see. And sometimes we just don't see. <laughs> but if we're hungry and thirsty for righteousness, you shall be healed. Lord, when are you coming back? <clears throat> Somebody says, well, if I say, I don't want to embarrass you. If I say, do you ever, do you ever ask the Lord that? Somebody says, well, no, I never have. Well, then you'll never, he'll never tell you. <laughs> I'm always saying, Lord, when are you going? Is it this? Is it soon? When are you? I said, look at my words. Keep reading my word. Keep studying my word. Listen to other people. You know, I had a fellow a few years ago that mentioned uh, that, uh, the, that the Lord could come back on a Pentecost. It sounds like he, and I, he was a man of God. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Everybody knows the trumpet's going to sound. Glory to God. And I'm like, I didn't know there was a trumpet here. Because of my dumb self, never studied it out. 
Let me basically put it to you like this. On first fruits, the priests were instructed to take of the barley, it's the, the, like the first fruits of the harvest. That's 50 days ago. They were to collect one sheaf or one omer. An omer was like a, a clay pot that was a little smaller than a quart. They were to take the sheaf or the omer and they were to present that in the air to the Lord. And that was to be a first fruit offering and it was to guarantee that the whole harvest would be blessed, not just the first fruit, the whole it would all become a part of one harvest. These are the first fruits offered to the Lord. When Jesus died, He rose up. We talked about it last uh, last first fruits that the graves were open, and some of the saints were raised up as first fruits, and they, the other saints saw them walk in the streets of Jerusalem. First fruits. Now, in Matthew specifically specifies, He says. And after Jesus' resurrection, they were raised up. You see? So, that's a type of what's to come. They were a type of what's to come. Now, here's what's exciting. The harvest being offered was barley. And there's, on today, Pentecost, it's the beginning of the, uh, the wheat harvest, and it's the ending of the barley harvest. And after that comes the grape harvest, the fig harvest, and you can put the dates in there too. But each of these speak of what God is doing. <coughs> program. It's like He gave us His program in advance, and all we need to do is follow it. Now here's the when you harvest barley, they're all harvested different. They're never harvested the same. Different times and in different manner are they prepared. Barley is winnowed. You ever seen like a big fork? And it's usually done at night when it's cool and there's a breeze. The fork is put into the barley, it's lifted up, and the wind blows the chaff off. It's lifted up, and the wind blows the chaff off. That's the type of the believer, you and I, the church. See, the Lord's always got you up in the air over something. Come on, He's always got you in, in, in a tumult, right? And the Holy Spirit's in it. He's blowing through it. What's He doing? He's getting the junk off your life. He's getting the chaff out of your life. So that what's left is barley. Now we go to Pentecost. The end of the barley harvest. The Jews are... Two things take place. I'll tell you the first one. It's really cool. Have you ever heard of the saying, the June bride? Well, that was taken from the Jews as they celebrate Pentecost. They would stay up all night before Pentecost, reading the Scriptures and praying. And hoping that, and if they were to do that faithfully, the Scripture says the Lord would in an instant open the heavens and then close them and give them a blessing. And they called that blessing the decorating of the bride. I'm like, whoa. The decorating of the bride. That's in Judaism, man. That's all the way back. Jesus did went through all that. They're commanded the people by the, the religious leaders to read the story of the book of Ruth. What's the book of Ruth? The book of Ruth is a man named Boaz who took to himself a Gentile bride. 
Oh my God. He took to himself a Gentile bride named Ruth. She was, well, you know what day that was? She, well, she married Boaz? Sivan 6, Pentecost. Now I want you to think about this. We're jotting down. Today is Sivan 6. Sivan 6. See, preacher, why in the world is that? Got to do it. Well, you know, how many know God has got a thing about numbers? <laughs> I mean, he's seriously, 49 days plus one is Pentecost. <laughs> a Jubilee. 49 years plus one is Jubilee. You work six days and plus one Sabbath. And the Jews incurred 490 years because of judgment because they didn't observe none of it while they were in the land. And God took note of that. Seven years are left. He's exacted 483 years of judgment on them with seven yet to be. There's a bride that's in the way. Oh, hallelujah. Ruth had a son named Obed. Obed had a son named Jesse. And Jesse had a son named David. David, the Bible says, was born on Sivan 6. Pentecost. David died exactly 70 years later on Sivan 6. Preacher, how does that, what does all that have to do with the rapture? Let me go back to the Old Testament with me. We, we were talking about Noah when we started. There was a man in the Old Testament named Enoch. The Bible said Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. That's the first rapture in the Bible. Enoch lived 365 days. He was born on Sivan 6. And he was raptured on Sivan 6. Coincidence? Noah is a type of Israel. Enoch is a type of the church. Enoch was taken out before the judgment in Noah's day. Take it out. Off the earth, man. Removed from the earth. Noah went through it. The church will be taken out from the earth before God's judgment. And the Jews will go through it. Oh, come on, man. See, Mark 6. My Lord, that's a powerful date. Today is in, in history. Powerful date. After winter, before summer. How I many know we're after winter? And it's before summer. There's some powerful words there. And if the Lord gives me another week, and He may not, I'll have to preach a whole message out of the book of Song of Solomon. Because He the bridegroom takes his bride after winter and before summer. Let's read on here. Paul, uh, we go to First Thessalonians, the writings of Paul, and you can just drop, drop these down. I wouldn't turn there. We're going to be all over the all over the Bible here. Matthew twenty-five, and then in Acts one six through seven. But Jesus told His apostles, as recorded in Acts 1, 6-7, that it was not for them 
to know the times or the seasons. It was not for them to know that. Why? Why do you think that was the case? Because it would have no practical application for their life. It would not come. His second coming, His kingdom would not come for... Well, it still hasn't come. It wouldn't have done them any good. So he focused on what they needed to love one another, walk with. Not that we don't have to do that today, but he didn't get into deep end time. He just mentioned what would happen, and he said, It's not for you to know the times and seasons. Because he knew it would be far off into the future. For, now look at, look at this here. For the restoration of the kingdom to Israel, understanding the mystery of the times and seasons of the kingdom's restoration, it was not for them to know but was reserved for a future generation. I believe that's our generation. Remember Daniel and his prophecy? He said with the, the prophecy of all the kingdoms and, and the Antichrist coming and the resurrection and everything, all written in the book of Daniel. He said at the very end, seal up the book for, for, its, for a time, a future generation. It's not for you to know. And when that time comes, I believe the book is being unsealed. Somebody said, Preacher, why didn't you preach this earlier? Why didn't you tell us about this? I didn't know. I can't preach something I don't know. And you know what I'm saying? Sometimes we get so caught up in our doctrine and our theology, we don't, we, we're afraid when somebody says something different. We're like, oh, that ain't right. No, that's not, that, that didn't, that's not what grandpa taught and great grandpa taught. Well, they, it wasn't for them to know. It wasn't for them to know. It's for us to know. The time of the season. Now look, he called, and on the same hand, Jesus called the Pharisees hypocrites for not being able to discern the times and the seasons. For not recognizing, quote, their time of visitation, unquote. Because Israel didn't recognize the coming of their Messiah, they were temporarily blinded. Listen to me. And this was disclosed when Jesus said this, Now the things which belong unto thy peace are now hid from thine eyes. Jesus was angry with the Pharisees because they proposed to know. They were supposed to know, but they didn't because they didn't know His Word. They didn't recognize who He was. You remember when there's a, there's a story about Jesus walking by a fig tree. You know, He walked by a fig tree on His way to Jerusalem three times in His ministry. Three years He ministered. And the last time, He cursed it because He couldn't get any fruit off of it. And, and the story goes, when they went back, leaving Jerusalem, the disciples noticed, man, Jesus, that tree you cursed. When I say cursed, He said just dry up and die. That's what He said. That meant he, he didn't cuss at it. You understand what I mean. Had withered up. It's gone. He talked about weeping over Jerusalem and uh, trying to gather the people, and yet they wouldn't. That's the, the Israelis would... would they ultimately they rejected him and crucified him. He found no fruit. Another day, a name for Pentecost is called the judgment of the fruit. The judgment of the fruit. By their fruits you will. Now we're going immediately in the rapture, we're going to be going to the judgment seat of Christ. That's the very next event for the church. That precedes the marriage of the Lamb. The judgment seat. To receive what we've done in the body, whether good or bad. So that tells me if bad 
it's there, it'll be there. Jerry, why didn't you do this when I know you should have done it? I ain't, I, if you're looking at me, all I can do is say, have mercy on me, Father, forgive me. I, I'm wrong. And I'm sure there'll be enough of those. I, I don't want to dwell on that. I don't want to depress anybody. But the main thing is we're there. Yes. We're there. Yes. You know, if you were just worthy enough to get there, then they, they, he can't say you did anything. That's a bad doctrine, man. I don't like to hear people preaching that split rapture. Bad thing. The fig. The fig harvest. He should have found green figs on that tree. Because the harvest will be months ahead. But he should have found he found nothing. There should have been something, but there wasn't nothing. So national Israel was well, let's read it. Luke 13, 34, and 35. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killed the prophets, stoned them that are sent to thee. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen does gather her brood under her wings, and yet you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Verily I say unto you, you shall not see me. Hear that? Hear that? You shall not see me until the time come when you will say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Do you know the Jews to this day don't see Jesus? The Jews in that day that rejected Him didn't see all that was written about It's all there. Everything about Jesus and what He would do is, there, is written in that book. Now what I propose is that when He returns the second time, the world is in darkness. They don't have a clue anyway. I'm not talking about them. They're lost. When He returns the second time, will He find His church in the same condition? Everything about His return for us is written in that book. And yet folk will fight about, well, you don't know. How could you know the time? Why don't you? It's in the book. Read the book, man. You know, it's all there. He's not trying to hide nothing from anybody. Now, He will keep things from our understanding if it doesn't pertain to us. And we don't need to know it. Just like He did then. You don't need to know about the times and seasons. Why? It would be 2,000 years later. It would do you no good. You don't need to know about that. But it, it's opened up. Daniel said that at the time of the end, knowledge would be greatly increased. We know now because we're, I'm running up onto the tide. I see what's happening in the world, man. We, you know the Magog invasion of Ezekiel 38 and 39 is, shaped, is lined right up. It's lining right up, man. The world is hostile toward all nations are against. Who's, who is a friend of Israel today? You tell me. Very few. Christian. We are in. Well, like say, you're right, but they're going to be gone. Once we're gone, we're the light of the world, the salt of the earth. We are. Once we're removed, the restrainer. Why are we the restrainer? We're the restrainer just like Lot was the restrainer. Because God cannot judge this world until we leave. When He takes us out of the way, then the man of sin will be revealed. Satan's got it all. What are we seeing in the world? We're seeing everybody, everything getting into position. We're seeing that with all the church. Nobody in church history has seen what you and I are seeing right now. Nobody has. And there's no reason for us to be in darkness or blind or ignorant. We're getting ready to go out of here. It could be 
It could be on today. It could be today. It could be today. What what better time? Oh, I was talking about the harvest. Come on now. Barley is harvested first. Once the barley is harvested, they begin to harvest immediately the wheat. Now listen to this. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that. How do they harvest barley? You put the fork in, and, and it's windowed by the wind, separated from the chaff. How do you harvest the wheat? It's beaten. But what is it? I, I, I wonder, well, what, how do they do that? It, it, and I, I was reading, I told Dave this the other day. I was reading, it, it says they beat it up against something. It's called a tribulum. Now I go to Revelation and John says, I saw a number of those who had come out of great tribulation, having washed themselves in the blood of the Lamb. What is the tribulation? It's a harvest. It's the biggest harvest field ever in the history of the human race. He said, I, I, I saw a number no man could number. Coming out of great tribulation. Well, that's not us. We before were the barley harvest. The very next is the wheat. And they have to come to faith by being beat through that tribulation. So the chaff is separated. Oh my my. Then you read on Revelation. That's a, that's a seven-year deal there, man. Then you read into the second half, man. And, and what goes on toward the end of the Great harvest. I think it's Revelation 19. The Bible says that God, that is Jesus, specifically, coming on His horse, He tramples out the grapes of wrath under His foot. How do you, how do you get grapes prepared? You trample on in the wine press of the wrath of Almighty God. Even in that, there'll be we call it the four corner harvest. You see, God sends out angels to the four corners and they take out of His kingdom, you see. They're called the gleanings. Remember in, in the book of Ruth, they were told to leave on the four corners of the field a little bit of, little bit of barley behind. Why? So the poor could come, so they could have something. That's the gleaning. God's going to glean some souls out of tribulation, out of the great tribulation. Somebody say amen. So you have all these harvests. And, and last, but I don't want to miss this, the figs are harvested at the end of summer. Jesus said, when you see the fig tree beginning to put forth its, its, its branches, its little tender, yet tender, you know this summer is near. So when will all this happen? I believe the great tribulation will happen in the summer. I believe the rapture will happen in the spring. The marriage of the Lamb. At the end of spring. And the harvest will take place through that tribulation during the summer months. What's up ahead? we got these signs in the heavens. We see these signs Jesus spoke about in Matthew 24 with the earthquakes and all these things all around us. This will be the perfect day for Jesus to remove His church. Do you know what would happen after that? Chaos. Chaos would ensue. Martial law would take up. Do you think they're spending multiple
multiplied, multiplied millions of dollars to do drills here in the United States for nothing? Do you not think Satan no doesn't have has a clue when the season is? It's coming, man. Could we be out of here? And, and I, I, you asked me a year ago, only six months ago, especially a year or two ago, I said, well, we're going to see the destruction of Damascus and we're going to see all... I don't think we will now. If, if it's on this schedule, I don't think we will. We may be watching it from another, a whole other vantage point. Heaven. Something to think about. Now you say, well, Pastor Jerry is trying to predict a date. I'm just giving you some scriptural... I'm trying to build a case. Yeah, you're right. But if, what if the rapture doesn't happen today or on Trumpets or next year? Am I going to stop living for Jesus? No. no. <laughs> I'm going to stay prepared. I stay prepared. Hello? If you're ready all the time, you're ready. But maybe, just, just maybe... He gave us some clues in His Word as to when that season would be. And maybe He's beginning to open people's eyes now because we, we're the ones that need the encouragement. You know, there's not much encouragement anymore in the... When it, the church needs that. We, I need that. You need that. What do we see if we just look at what's going on? We just see more and more vexed like Lot in this wicked world. Day by day. It's like i got a bellyache every day. I just... Wake up and I see what's going on. I just get upset. I get a bellyache. At some point, God's going to say, look, y'all, it's time to go. i got to deal with these people. And, and, you know, again, the world has the idea, well, God's going to remove the church. He's going to beat to death everybody. No, He's going to save a whole lot of people. But it's through some pain. <laughs> we got my weightlifting brother, right? How do you get bigger muscles? If you work out and, and no pain, no... And you actually tear the muscle, right? You have to tear them for them to grow. You know, for some people to get saved, they're going to have to be beat up pretty good, unfortunately. It really doesn't have to be that way. Somebody say amen. Let's close with these words here. In Romans chapter 11, 20, verses 25 and 27, Paul says, For I would not, brethren, you should be ignorant of this mystery. Now, who's Paul talking to in Romans? Gentiles. Gentiles and specifically who? Church. The church. He doesn't want us to be ignorant. Usually when he says that, it means they're pretty ignorant, right? <laughs> if he's telling them... Uh, and ignorant means to not know. So not just they don't know. He says, I don't want you to not know, to be ignorant. I want you to know. And notice, look, look, look at the words he uses. I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery. So it's a mystery up to this point. It's a mystery. I, I don't know. I have no idea. And why is he telling them I don't want them to be ignorant? Because he's going to tell them the mystery so they're not ignorant. Amen. Okay? And I don't want you to be wise in your own conceits. Okay? Or don't be proud. Don't be boastful. He says that blindness in part has happened to Israel. Isn't that what it says? Blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. 
Now the word he chose for that is fullness. That's an agricultural term. That's a harvest term. He didn't say the, the, the he said the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Remember, Gentiles barley harvest. The world wheat harvest. Israel fig harvest. And those who survive grape gleanings. <laughs> Amen. Barley harvest first. Then he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Blindness has happened to them. Now, you know, if you don't believe Jesus is the Son of God and you preach the Gospel, you're either willfully rejecting Him or you're blind. You can't see. You know how many times I've read passages and I can't see? I just can't see. Man, I'll tell you what's kind of weird, and, I, and some of you are a little younger and older, you might, might not understand this, but back in 1980, a group came out called U2. Have you ever heard of that group? U2. U2. Bono and U2. Man, I looked like my daughter today. I had all her records, didn't I? That's back when they had records, you know. All you guys know, they're like, what's the record, man? I we know what vinyls is, baby. But I had the first album they come out with. My son messaged me last week saying something he had hit. Uh, listened to the uh, first album. And he said, yeah, I said, yeah, you know. But as I was listening to them, now see, they came out as a Christian. They were Christians. We're Christians, you know. But after two, three, four years and three, three, four albums, began listening to the lyrics. Now we say all this song. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And I saw the old man, Bono, he's my age now, on TV the other day. He's, he's singing in a concert, you know, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And then he goes, and I hope I never do. <laughs> and he's gone on to, he's gone into the world, but that's an evil song when you listen to the lyrics. I'm like, and I used to listen and sing that. I was blind. I was ignorant. I didn't spiritually discern. I had a good beat, sounded cool, you know. I'm like, yeah. And then, then I go go to start seeing him on TV cussing. Uh, next thing I know, he's he's got fornicating with all these women and doing all these uh, carousing. And I'm like, wow, man, that's. You and then he still get up there and say something about Jesus, you know. I'm like, that's called a hypocrite. That's called bad fruit. You're saying you're saved and then living like the devil, you know. And then he got on just recently. That's what I was getting ready to say. Is he? He said, "I believe in Jesus, but I believe in Gandhi and I believe in Buddha and I believe in Muhammad." And I'm like, "Okay, you ain't saved." But I didn't know. I, I my eyes had to be open to that. You know, a lot of Christians are like that. They don't see things as wrong or as not wrong. The way they they're blinded to that. A lot of people don't see doctrine. You can be teaching and preaching the Word of God as a pastor, and you're wise in your own conceit. You just think, "Well, I trust my own opinion." That's like myself. I always I don't stop studying because I know there's more out there to learn. I know I don't know it all. I'm not a know-it-all. I know some things, and especially when He shows me something, I know it. But I don't know everything. Do I know Jesus will come on a first fruit? I don't know that. Or a uh, Pentecost? I don't know that. Will He come on trumpet? I don't know that. 
I'm just looking at what does the Bible say and can a case be made? I, I think there's two holidays or two of these appointed times you can make a case for that speak of the Lord and resurrection. And the more I look at what I've seen with the harvest, and I think I think Pentecost would be the day. We were born as a church, the church on Pentecost. How fitting would it be to conclude and, and finish that feast day by taking the church home on Pentecost? That's right. Why not us? Why not us? And you see, uh, Israel's blinded. Paul says that there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob for this is my covenant unto them when I take away their sins. So he's talking about the future salvation of Israel, the Jews who are living in the land today. The regathered Jews. But they're blind even to this day. I was listening to um, Sid Roth the other day, a Jewish, Messianic Jewish fellow and uh, no, it wasn't Sid Roth. There was another guy over there in Israel. Uh, he was interviewing one of the Messianic rabbis that are, that's there. This was just last week. Uh, he was doing the uh, interview. He said, I've seen more and more Jews. I just let, He just said, I just led a Jewish woman to the Lord just yesterday. And she accepted Jesus as the Messiah. And she said... People are more and more people in Israel are getting what's happening. The blindness is beginning to come off their eyes. They're beginning to see. You see, and the blindness is definitely coming off their eyes as they see Obama do what he's doing. You see, most of the one of the biggest supporters, not only in the United States but Jews worldwide, was they supported this left wing Obama. But now God has given them; He's changing. He, they're in a transition. The figs are green over there now. And it's time uh, Jesus inspecting them. He's not only going to take the barley harvest, He's going to inspect the fruit of that, that fig tree and see that, hey, it's, it's getting close. He wants some good fruit. Somebody say amen. Look at Deuteronomy. I'm going to read this. I don't have to turn to Deuteronomy 4, 27 and 31. Talking about Israel. So I'll show you how God calls those things that be not as though they were. He says it in advance. Okay, He says, when you are in tribulation, this is Moses. Okay, We're going back 3,500 years ago. He says, when you are in tribulation, all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if you will turn to the Lord your God and shall be obedient to His voice, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God, he will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers which he sware unto them. Has God cast off the Jews and replaced them with the church? No. No, he's going to he's honor that, brother. Hallelujah. See, Bob 6, as we close. I, I promise you, I, I just got a wealth of information. It was the day Moses come down off the mountain with the law. See Bob 6. It was the day when he went up, I'm sorry, went up the mountain. And the scripture tells us, now that's when he came down with the law of Sebon 6. But when he went up the mountain, he heard the voice of the Lord and it sounded like a 
trumpet. And the Israelites heard the voice of the Lord and they fell down at the base of the mountain and quaked in fear and said, Moses, we, we, can't, we won't go up. You, you go up for us and talk to the Lord. Because the trumpet sound was so loud that was the voice of God speaking to him. Could that be what Paul was referring to? That was the, the first trump, the giving of the law. The second trump, when he calls his church home, with the sound of the last trump, the first and the last. Pentecost is it's called the, by the Jews the time of new things. The time of new things. He gave the law. He put the Holy Spirit upon his followers. Filled them. New things. The decorating of the bride. Isaiah said very clearly in chapter 26, verse 6, that Israel would one day blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. Uh, that is 27, verse 6. Isaiah 27, 6. And I will bring again Amos 9, 14 and 15, the captivity of my people Israel, and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. They shall also make gardens and eat the fruit of them. I will plant them upon their land. They shall no more be pulled out of their land, which I have given them, saith the Lord God. And we've seen that happen already in our lifetime. Israel has come back. They've budded. They've planted. The, 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 the land is, is just prosperous. Their biggest export is fruit. Fruit. Garden products that are sold all around the world. They export it. And that's a wasteland. 75 years, just a wasteland. And now it's blossomed, just like the Word of God says. Behold, I will gather them out of the countries where I have driven them in mine anger and in my fury and in great wrath. And I will bring them again to the place and I will call them to dwell safely. They shall be my people and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way and they may fear me forever for the good of them and of their children after them. And He'll make an everlasting covenant. God said, I'll make an everlasting covenant with them and not turn away from them to do good. Jeremiah 32. And then in Mark in Luke 21 and it's also found in Matthew 24, Mark 20, uh, 13, 29. And He spoke to them in a parable, Behold the fig tree and all the trees. The fig tree and all the trees. Israel and all the nations. There's fruit right now as we, as we speak. There's fruit. There's the green fruit in Israel and there's some fruit on the trees in the Gentiles that I believe are ripening for judgment. They may be overripe at this point. And says here, you know summer's near at hand. He said, you know that. We're getting ready to go into summer tomorrow. Memorial Day celebrates the summer season here in our part of the world. He says, when you see all these things coming to pass, earthquakes, famines, wars, rumors, wars, pestilence, you see all these things coming to pass. You know that the kingdom of God is near at hand. Verily I say unto you, the generation 
will not pass, that generation that sees that, till all be fulfilled. Israel became a nation in May of 1948. The fig tree was symbolically planted back in its land. The presence church today of green figs is a sign that these figs, the unbelieving Jewish remnant of Zechariah 13, should be ripening soon. The generation will not pass away that witnesses that. Jesus qualified by saying, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not. When the Lord returns in the air for the saints, there will be two categories of people on earth, saved and unsaved. The saved will be the tribulation believers, and all the unbelievers will be caught off guard when the Lord returns for His saints like a thief in the night. Jesus doesn't want us to be called off guard, church. You know, at Pentecost, there were three responses to the coming of the Holy Spirit. Some were amazed and said, what is this? Some reasoned in their questions and they were, they were doubting. And the other, the third group, they mocked. They said, these men are just drunk. You know, when we talk about the Lord and His return, there's, all, there's only three responses that I'm going to get. People are either amazed, they doubt, really, I don't, I don't think, or they mock. He's always talking about Jesus. Mocking is a sign of an unbelieving heart. The Bible says in the time of the end, there will be those who mock His return. They'll be left behind. My question to you today, are you a believer or are you an unbeliever? Are you serving God or serving yourself? Come on now. Are you a hearer only or are you a doer of the Word? Are you a watchdog? That's what I consider myself. Warning the flock. Hey, hey! if Jesus comes back today, tonight, tomorrow, and you're not ready, don't, you won't be able to blame me. <laughs> Somebody say amen. Amen. Because I'm a wise dog. My, your blood won't be on my hands. Come on. Or are you a scoffer? Or are you a watcher? We're told to be watching. Amen. Jesus said in Revelation 3 3, if you will not watch, I will come on you like a thief. And you'll not and you'll not know. What hour I will come upon you. If you're not watching, he'll come like a thief, and you'll not know what hour he comes upon you. If Jesus came at two o'clock this morning, I would not be surprised. It would be the exact time that He poured out His Spirit on the church on the day of Pentecost. I would not be surprised. Some people would be surprised. But I don't know about you. I'll be up at 2 o'clock tonight. And I'll be praying and watching for my Lord. Because I believe, I believe He lays it out in His Word that we can know 
the times and seasons that we're in. I believe we're in the, in the season. Now you add all of that, and you look at the fact we're in a Shemitah year that ends in October, or September rather, 13th. We've seen the blood moons. We see what's going on in the world with Israel, the fig tree. We see with the unrighteousness in this country and the collapse that is about to, to come. And you add all that together, and the fact that next year is a, is a jubilee year when Israel will receive all of her land through war. What, what better time for the Lord to return? How ready are you? I don't know about you. I have nothing in this world. I'm looking for Jesus. He offered my faith and He'll finish my faith. And if I have a, a grandchild that's born in heaven, that'll be alright. I won't cry. I don't know about you, church. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty psyched and pumped. <laughs> We're in that time. We're getting close. Let's stand this morning. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.